0: Hey, just real quick, if you're in an Australia and still have old analog clocks, it's time to upgrade so that your swimmers can see the clock. The Swim Nerd Pace Clock is now available in Oz. They're distributed by Tim Lane in Brisbane, and I've got a special deal for you. Just email him at Tim at swimnerd.com. tell him Brett Hawke sent you, and get yours today for just $7.99 Aussie dollars. So, email tim at swimnerd.com and order your swimnerd pace clocks today. All right, Kathleen Baker, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing?
1: Good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you. Where, where are you at right now? Where are you sitting?
1: On my wonderful couch in my one bedroom apartment. <laughs> so many places I can go.
0: You're in San Diego?
1: Yes, I live like two blocks from the beach, and I can see the beach from my apartment, which is pretty awesome and definitely something I don't take for granted.
0: That's awesome. Now, you, you originally grew up in South Carolina, did you not?
1: North Carolina.
0: North Carolina? Okay. What, what, where'd you grow up exactly?
1: I grew up in Winston-Salem, um, North Carolina, and then I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina when I was 14 to um, start training with Swim Mac and um, under Coach Marsh as well.
0: Did the whole family move or was it just you?
1: I have like the best family in the world. Um, No, we got like an apartment in uh, Charlotte, and my parents, who both worked, like commuted back and forth so that they could be there for me at night and take me to practice and everything. And like, I'm so lucky. Um, that they are like able to sacrifice that for me. But they always say it's not a sacrifice because I was always the one who wanted it so much. I was like, please take me to practice. Please get me to the pool. Like, I couldn't wait till I could get my license so I could show up to practice like 20 minutes early and just sit there and watch <laughs> and be ready to go.
0: Well, that was a pretty special place back then. That's when Team Elite were kind of um, in full fledge and going and preparing and had some incredible athletes. Why, why did you make that decision at the age of 14? Like most people think that way kind of as they get a little bit older, but 14 seems young to be making a decision, you know, like that as a 14 year old.
1: Yeah, for sure. When I was like 14, I had like an awesome club coach, like definitely is the person who got me into swimming so much he used to like run up and down the pool and cheer for me during practice, but I didn't really have anyone to train with. I was like swimming by myself, doing hard practices by myself. I was driving 45 minutes to a long course pool at like 4.30 in the morning. Um, So I just like didn't really have the training facilities or the team environment that I wanted. And then having swim back being like an hour and a half away from me. Um, I had just like finished junior nationals I think that summer and I remember like sitting with my coach and like three other swimmers and having swim Mac next to me who had like 18 and being like wow that would be so awesome if I could like be on a team and get to go to meets with people and things like that and then also just thinking about my future is like I always wanted to be an Olympian I was already on the junior national team um, at 14 so I was like on a path of maybe making the national team and I just wanted like the best opportunity I could have and I had known Coach Marsh since I was 12 and seen the pro group that he had in Charlotte and idolized all of those swimmers. um, And it was something that I wanted to like aspire to be on and when I moved there it's not like David was like oh you can just train with Team Elite you're 14 and like pretty good for a 14 year old I got like one day a week with him and I was just like soaking it all in I like would do anything he asked like show up at any time be there early whatever it needed to be and then slowly by the time I was 16 I was like training fully on Team Elite.
0: That's incredible. As there's so many things that came from that. I was, as you were talking, I was like, oh, great question. Great question. Because like, I'm just so intrigued by everything that you said there. But a couple of things. Um, one of the things I'm really interested in is this idea of nature versus nurture type thing. And where does self-motivation, where does inner drive come from? Where does the, Where does the heart of a champion come from? Is that something what do you think on that is that something you were born with or is that something that you know your your parents instilled in you or at, over time it developed what do you think
1: I definitely think that there's a huge just like born with it like I was obsessively competitive as a kid like I had to ring the doorbell first when we were trick-or-treating or push the elevator button first at a hotel like I always needed to be first in everything took my first standardized test and I didn't even care what I got right on the questions I just wanted to turn the test in first and then figure out like oh Kathleen actually just like you don't have to win to do good in school and things like that so I think for me like so much of it came from just like how I am and then finding that outlet to like put it in a more healthy way which is swimming for me um and then just like loving it like I love to like push myself and I love that swimming you can see like success on a daily basis it's not just like a game that you play once a week and you hope that you can do like well or win or you have to rely on other people like so much falls onto me and my performance and from a really young age I treat every swim practice sort of like a mini swim meet like I try to do something there that I've never ever done or something faster than I've never done before and I think for me that just like sort of instilled this huge like love and competitiveness and then also just like having coaches who didn't like think that it was bad that I was overly competitive or obsessed with times at a young age. Um, because even though I was obsessed with times, like in loving that I was having a great time in my sport. I love being around my friends, um, different things like that. And starting having the same club coach from nine to 14 and then transitioning to having David as my club coach from 14 to 23. Um, I've been really fortunate to build like pretty strong relationships with coaches who have, um, always encouraged me, um, and encouraged the way that my mind works, which might be different from another athletes. And, um, knowing that every athlete sort of needs to be coached individually. Like I love to go to practice and get, my pace, like pace work done every day. Some mm-hmm. athletes hate that. They don't want to see something on a watch every day. And I'll beg to see something on a watch every day. And just knowing that like everyone works differently and every Olympian's different. Not every Olympian is exactly like me. Um, and just knowing that you don't have to be a certain way to be successful in a sport.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Look, everybody has an Olympic experience before the Olympic experience. What was your first impression of the olympics who 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 do you remember as you know watching on tv who made an impression on you
1: i like went to the olympic trials at 11 to watch and that was like blew my mind
0: what was that at
1: it was still in omaha okay and i just like remember just like seeing it and being like oh my god this is what it takes and watching like the 100 backstroke um and natalie um making it and she's like a person I idolized growing up and just like seeing how amazing she is as a swimmer in an array of an events and just like her evolution as like being such a great teenage swimmer as to being like a professional swimmer and adult and seeing like how long that career could last and then also like Elizabeth Beisel. I mean she's not that much older than me but she's been on the national team since she's 13 so it's just been someone who has like mentored me on the national team and I've gotten to see as like someone who I was a fan of as a little kid as well
0: awesome now you like we said you had a um a, a pretty elite group at um at team elite when you when you went there as 14 year old and you got once a week who was someone uh, within the group that had an impact on you? Like who's a swimmer that you, when they kind of took you under their wing or you just loved watching them or you loved competing against them in practice, who would that be?
1: I feel like I have like so many, but definitely like Katie Miley and Camille Adams and Katie Miley's like my older sister. Like we, um, have sort of done everything together in swimming, like being on like world's teams together and the Olympics and Olympic roommates and things like that. But I got to watch her progression um, from being a 10800 breaststroker to winning a medal, and that was incredible. And something that I always loved about Camille and Katie is that they weren't just like, oh, like, let's not speak to the 16 year old over there or something like that. They were always so inclusive um, and were really great role models, and at the same time, also just like made me enjoy going to practice and made me feel like I friends Um, and then also just having like I had a really good mid-D group like Tyler Clary there and Ryan and um, seeing people like that who have like accomplished essentially what I already want like wanted to they had already done everything like they'd won Olympic gold medals they've done it they've been to the Olympic Games Um, being able to see that day in and day out and like the type of grind that they put into every practice was something that I think like really helped me and just being a part of that group I got to see like what it really took to be an Olympic athlete it wasn't just like oh you work hard it was like a mindset that you need to be in every single day like you need to be thinking about what can I do better and it's not always just like doing more, sometimes doing better is doing less and figuring something out or looking at stroke technique or um, being a really independent athlete. And that's something that I really learned from Katie Miley. She is like so intentional and independent with whatever, like everything she does, like whenever she would go off to the side and do something different than the group in practice, she was never doing less than the group. She was always doing more. And mm-hmm. it's not always like more yardage, but she was doing something that was more intentional. And I think that's like a skill that not that many athletes have is when a coach gives you this like free time to work on something that you're choosing something that is hard to do and harder than you would do if he gave you something and just being able to like see people like that and see the success that comes from it is just something that inspired me like literally every single day of my life not to mention like before Ryan Lochte came on my team, I think like I was 15 and like nine months before that, I like took a photo with him and posted it on my Instagram. And I was like, oh my God, Ryan Lochte. And then like nine months later, he's my teammate. And now someone who I'm still keeping in touch with and happy that he's back in the sport.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Now, listen, if, if we were just talking about you as um, an incredible athlete, that would be a great part of the story. But you've also um, suffered from Crohn's disease from from a younger age, you know, I think you were diagnosed around 2010. Um, how was that, you know, kind of just briefly describe what that is, and how that has affected kind of your training and your performances as you've gone as you've grown up?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was diagnosed, I started having symptoms pretty much at around age 12. And they progressed into like some pretty severe symptoms, like weight loss, intestinal bleeding, I was running fevers for weeks, mm-hmm. I had like heartburn, every gastrointestinal symptom that, like, I could possibly think of, and I was swimming so slow, like, I could, like, barely get through a practice at, like, age 12, and I was, like, oh my god, what is wrong with me, because I was used to being, like, this big energizer bunny, and, like, could do practices just, like, non-stop and uh, I was diagnosed and I definitely was like in denial during like this diagnosis process like I was getting blood work done every week, I was having tests done I got an endoscopy and colonoscopy and I was like <sighs> everything's gonna be fine like I totally have nothing wrong with me and like my parents and my pediatrician and my gastroenterologist were all sort of being like it's probably gonna be this and I was like no it's not like I'm so fine and then it's like here the diagnosis like for me was like devastating um like I can like remember being like probably one of the most like depressed moments of like a child's life was like me being diagnosed because I was like why in the world would I get stuck with a disease that could affect my swimming when there's like nothing in this world that I love more than like going to swim practice and training. And now I'm like too sick to even do that. And of course, because I'm 13 and know nothing, I like just was like Googling like all this stuff, like, and it comes up like horror stories of patients who are getting their intestines cut out and like, like surgeries and never being able to find a medication that works for them. And I was like, I'm never going to be able to be the Olympian I want to. And that lasted for like four days until I was like, you know what? Like my doctors were telling me it's going to be okay. My parents and my coach at the time was like calling me um, and just sort of hoping that everything was going to be okay. And that like, no one told me that I wasn't going to be able to accomplish something because of it. And that started from like the second I was diagnosed. And for me, that was just huge. And actually, I didn't really tell anyone. My friends didn't really know. Um, The only people who really knew were like two close friends and my coaches throughout my career. And I chose to do that because I just really didn't want to be like always having the stereotype of like Kathleen, the sick kid, or Kathleen can't do this because she's sick, or she needs an accommodation for that. And I think I'm I'm so fortunate that I got to train with professional athletes at 16 because I lost like so much judgment because when I had to be like, "Um, I'm not going to be at practice because I have to go to the doctor for a day because I used to go to the hospital and get infusions for six hours every five weeks for my medication. No one questioned it. Everyone assumed that, like, she probably has something going on. Like, we don't need to hound her for it. Like, she's not going to be at practice. Versus if I went to an age group practice, which I was still going back and forth at that time, people be like, why do you need to go an hour and a half away for a doctor's appointment? Like, why can't you come to practice? Or why this? And it's not because kids are being mean. It's just because they don't get it. And I feel, like, mm-hmm. fortunate that I got to miss out on some of that because I trained with older people who just understood, like, she's got something going on and, like, we're just going to respect that and understand that she's like doing the best she can and throughout my like diagnosis i've had major flares of my disease and had mm. to switch medications um, multiple times. I started taking like fourteen pills at like twelve and thirteen years old to try to get it under control and none of that really worked, so I spent another year being sick and trying to figure it out and then going on infusions in the hospital for three years until those stopped working, and mm. those were just like a not really a great time for me. I didn't really love going, but like, shout out to my nurses who were amazing and were so nice to me in there and made it enjoyable. And now I'm fortunate enough to have be been on a medication since I was 17, and I give myself um, injections every other week in my stomach. Um, and that sort of works for me, but I definitely have had to make modifications in my training, um, which started about 17 years old because I had burned through sort of a lot of medications, and mm-hmm. there's not just like, a million in the pipeline. Like after this one, there's like two or three left and I have a very long life left ahead of me and want to mm. make sure that they work. And my doctor sat me down and were like, we need to do everything we can to make this work. And I think you need to cut back a little bit on swimming. And I literally was like, Nope, I'm not going to be a good athlete. Like I'm not, I can't not do doubles. I can't not train 10 times a week, but it turns out when I listened to him and my coaches supported that and my parents were like, this is what we're doing. Cause I'm 17. Mm. I actually got a lot healthier and a lot faster. And a lot of that comes from one, me not being exhausted all the time because my body fights so many different things than a normal um, athlete doesn't. And two, just like, Going into one practice, I give 100% of my energy, my mental energy and intention, rather than sometimes two practices, athletes can be like 60 in this one, 40 in this one, or Mm. things like that. And I've just really learned to get the most out of um, one practice instead of two. And also know it doesn't matter how hard I train if I'm not healthy.
0: Wow. Well, it you know, it goes into kind of your mental state on, and how you uh, approach life, really, in terms of not wanting to make excuses, just face it, deal with it, and uh, make the best of it. So that's pretty incredible right there. Now, you you said you grew up on the East Coast, but you end up picking a school on the West Coast, you end up picking Cal. And it sounds like you also enjoyed um, training with, with men, um, you know, in Charlotte. But then you pick a team that's, uh, you know, all women. So what was the decision behind, you know, going to the other coast and picking a women's team?
1: Yeah, I think at the time, like, um, I was on some national team trips and Terry was there with a bunch of athletes, like Rachel Bootsma, Missy, Caitlin Leverance, like people like that. And I was like, wow, this college is showing me that, like, I can be successful collegiately and internationally. And that was sort of my biggest focus, like, I love yard swimming and I love college swimming, but my like love for swimming comes out even harder when it's like, I get to put that American flag cap on my head and travel internationally and do that whole shebang. Mm -hmm. Um, so like when I chose that, that was sort of my main focuses and definitely I didn't think that it was going to be, um, an issue on the male and female side of things i definitely enjoy training with men so much as now i'm on a pro team and we have a lot of men and i just love having people to chase but at the same time like at a college program there's always girls who are better than you at something like there's always just like someone who can be faster puller or someone who's a better kicker or someone who's this So i felt like on a competition side i felt like i was challenged every single day which is amazing and something that i'm fortunate of. but definitely missed out on having like that male energy and male dynamic that you get from having a combined team or things like that. Um, but I really loved my experience there. Definitely crazy to go from living in the South to Berkeley, California and definitely a huge culture shock there. Um, and fortunate enough that I like had a really great, um, sort of two years at Cal. My freshman year was a little rough. I struggled with my health a little bit and just like managing everything new that's a freshman year, um, I guess issues. And then I'm fortunate that Terry, Uh, supported me going back home and training with David every summer because that's something that I loved. I love being very comfortable when I am going on international trips and being around this big group of people who are all training for world championships or the Olympics.
0: Well, if you had some advice for for kids that are going into college or picking colleges and and they're looking at an all-women's team, um, I know from from um, coaching a women's team at Auburn, you know they can be tough on on each other at times, you yeah. know, and, and it can be challenging. So, what would you, what would your advice be to to the women who are picking women's teams? What's the be- what's the the way that you can get the best out of the experience and be uh, a positive team member?
1: Yeah, I think that everyone knows women can get like a little catty, especially if you're putting twenty something women together and you're all competing every day with each other. And I think like the best advice I can give is like not giving in to the drama or the cattiness or things like that. Like if that means staying a little bit on an outer circle of a conversation or things like that. Um, because if you just add more to it, you're fueling the fire. Like if someone says one remark and three girls jump in, then it becomes this like drama thing rather than if like one girl says something and no one really says anything else, then that's going to die there. Um, and I think that's something that Um, women's teams can like do better on as um, colleges and it's definitely something that you can just like really just not get into the petty type of stuff like you want to support each other like these are your like best friends in college you want them to succeed which I think is awesome about like women in sports and especially college and on Team USA trips is like that huge support factor because like them succeeding means you're succeeding and I think that's something to think about like if this person's beating you in practice don't be mad at them be excited that they're crushing it because they're going to be scoring points or they're making you a better athlete mm,
0: yeah really good advice who was something uh, uh who was someone at Cal that had an influence on you there like within the the team who, who you know you mentioned a lot of great athletes was there someone specifically that stood out for you
1: I feel like I just was fortunate enough to have, like, just a good group of friends um, in college and definitely just having um, girls who had, like, gone through the program before to rely on and talk to. Um, One of my, like, childhood best friends, uh, since we've known each other since we were nine, went to Cal a year before me. So just, Mm -hmm. like, having that comfort there, I think overall is just something that I feel, like, fortunate to have is, like, having, like, that closeness friend that you can go to if you're struggling or things like that. Um, and then just being able to be around girls who have like already made the Olympic team my freshman year, just like seeing like Caitlin Leverne's Crush I Am sets and things like that is just something that I really enjoyed seeing and an in, inspiration for me. Um, yeah. I always love to chase people and like seeing people who have already done a goal that you want is always like really, really um, good to see because that means like if you're not doing at least what they're doing, then you're not going to get there. Sort yeah. of how at it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree. That's that's a really good point. It's great to have your competitors uh, around you because then, like you said, you can you can follow them and say, well, they're not doing this, so I need to be doing this, or or they are doing it, and I have got to pick up my game. So that's that's great to put yourself in that environment where there are athletes that are better than you at, at, at times. You know, um, you you are you are known for backstroke, but you can swim a killer two hundred. I am. Um, when did that start? When did that development start? And why did you make that decision? to develop, uh, all four strokes.
1: I think like, um, swim back, like really prioritizes, I am training. Like, it doesn't matter if you can't swim breaststroke or not. Like you're going to do, I am training and, um, David, like really encouraged that. And I sort of loved it because if I was like plateauing in backstroke or not doing well in backstroke or not having a meet in backstroke, then I was like, I'll go best time in hundred free or like I'll go best time in hundred breaststroke. So I think it keeps it like a little more fun when you don't specialize at a young age, because like your best events do like, you don't like keep dropping tens sub seconds or two seconds here and there. Like I was dropping like tenths, which really isn't as exciting as like dropping two seconds in hundred free. And so for me, it just came out like that. And then just going into college, I knew, that I was going to fill like wherever they needed me to fill pretty much and for that was a 200 am, and um I could put it really great together short course and was just like struggling to get it there long course um a lot of that came from like my breaststroke was like pretty hit or miss it was like oh this meet is awesome or, on this meet I go like three seconds slower and that was just because I hadn't really like had a lot of muscle memory yet in the stroke and I spent a lot of time trying to figure that out and then on an international side of things I typically swim my hundred back and 200 back at the beginning of a qualification meet and I make it hopefully and then I'm like emotionally like I've already made the team like Mm -hmm. and 200 IM has Previously, been an event that's like not my best, and I wasn't really swimming it necessarily to make a team, but to just like swim it at the end of the meet. Mm. Like, like, mentally, I just wasn't as in it. Like, I was like, I've already made the team. I'm probably not making the team in this event. I'm just doing it because um, it's like my third event and I'm pretty good at it. Mm. And then in 2018, David's like, We're training the whole summer, and you're gonna swim the 200 that I am on the last day, and we're gonna do great in it. Like that's what it was. I did a million threshold. I am set so many fly back, back breast, breast free hundreds, long course, like just repeat after repeat. Um, and for me, a lot of that training was like making my breaststroke better. Um, and for me, breaststroke is always tends to be my weakest stroke, which it no longer is definitely probably like my second best stroke, but that just shows you like through a lot of like technique and like time, you can really change strokes. Like I am going best times in a hundred breaststroke that I never would have thought I'd go and I'm 23 years old. And so for me, like that summer going a 208 at the end of nationals outside um, after a phenomenal meet was sort of just like proving to myself and my coach what I felt like I could do, which just hadn't really put it together yet. Um, And I also love the event. It's my favorite event by far. I love to dive in the water. I love to do something new. As everyone knows in the US, backstroke is unbelievably competitive. So it's nice to have like an event that just isn't so cutthroat every time Mm -hmm. I dive in. Um, And I just continue training that and had a really great year this year and already gone 208 in France this year and um, have been practicing what I anticipate the double I'm going to have at Olympic trials next year, which is the 100 back um, final 50-ish minutes into the 200 IM semifinal. And so I'm able to like practice that. I did that at Des Moines. I did the 100 back in a final and then I time trial the 200 IM 50 minutes later and was 209.3. And I was like pretty pleased with that from going 58.5 to 209.3. Um, And I swam that two I am by myself, um, which it wasn't even like a real time. I think they just turned the touch pads on for me Um, and just making sure I'm confident in that. That's my biggest um, double that I'll have um, and just making sure I can do it.
0: Do you have an event that you identify with as a person more so than any other event? Like, do you feel like that's my event? That's that's who I am. That's that's the one where you put the most pressure on yourself with as well.
1: I feel like definitely it's hundred back because it's been like my best event since I was pretty young. Like that was the first event I made my junior team on at 2012 Olympic trials and went to junior fan packs with it's the first team I made the Olympics with broke my world record in that event. Um, And I definitely feel like I put the most pressure on myself, not only because it's my better event, I would say, but also because you like, can't make a mistake. Mm. Um, Me Like I, know that like for me to be the best or to win or to go best time like if I make a mistake it needs to be very very small and because it's only 58 57 seconds then there's not a lot of room for like oh you didn't hit your turn right because you only have one turn so Mm -hmm. For me, definitely the 100 back. Um, I love the 200 back even though it hurts a lot more just because I can like swim into it. That's why I say like you can just like, you don't have to be like, <gasps> ready, go, right? Like you do in a 100. Like I can build into it. I can get into my stroke and really feel like how it feels. Um, mm-hmm. And then 200 is just the fun event for me.
0: <laughs> well, that's it. You know, like you have your fun events and I think those events come on later in life. And like you said, you've developed certain events later in life. You know, like you, you may swim a 100 breaststroke now or, at, you know, 200 free or whatever it is, but you've been swimming the 100 backstrokes since you were a kid. And yeah. so what happens over time is you have good experiences and bad experiences. And most of the time you end up, you end up starting, you start off with a big empty duffel bag, right? And then over time, what you end up doing is putting stuff into the bag that makes it heavier. And you end up carrying the bag. So it's like carrying baggage from race to race to race. So like over time, you have all these, Um, bad experiences or times where you feel like you failed or times where you feel like you could have. And so you bring that into the next race. And so, especially when your identity is wrapped up in it. So it's really hard to make improvements over time when you're bringing baggage from, you know, previous years into the next experience, especially let's say you have a bad experience one year and it's like the next year, you got to try and figure it out. So what would you say to somebody that that is, you know, dealing with that right now, trying to overcome that? How do you leave the baggage of past experiences behind to, to stay focused on what you need to do now?
1: Yeah, I think that like goes back for me is like having other events in your toolbox. Like when you get like overwhelmed or tired in swimming 100 back or 100 free or whatever it is, like having like an event that you can just go to a meet and do and do it sort of well, not just like you're swimming it just for fun, but it's like your secondary events, which for me is like 100 free, 100 breasts, 100 fly, two free, like things like that, that are just like less pressure, like more fun. You don't have to be so worried. And like, I will like go to meets and just not swim 100 back if I'm like just needing a break from it and I think that that's like so okay to do like you don't have to do like your best event at every single meet you go to you don't have to knock it out of the park at every meet you go to like I've had so many times where I have done so poor a 100 back and then six weeks later made the Olympic team or like done some incredible time and I think some of that also comes with like your confidence like can't be built up just from your race performances like your confidence needs to come from Mm. a day-to-day practice and things that you're doing in practice that is going to give you the confidence so Mm. when you have a bad race you're not just like I suck I'm terrible I'm never going to get back to where I am Mm. like you can sort of like look at it like I had a bad race, but you know what? I'm so much better than this. I could be a little worn down. I could be tired. I could be sick. I could have missed my turn and that's okay. That doesn't make me a bad swimmer because look at all of this stuff over here that I've done this past month in practice that is way more incredible than this race I just swam.
0: So you go to the Olympic trials at 11. You have this great experience seeing all these incredible athletes, but then you come back. Um, was, it, was it the next time or was it the time after that as, as you know, when you had to make the Olympic team?
1: Two times after that. So Two eight times
0: after here. that. Okay, so did you go to the one after, in between as well? Yeah, in
1: 2012, about like 10th or something, and then okay. like my 100 and 200 back. So I made a semifinal, which I thought was awesome, but was scared out of my mind that entire <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, I was talking to David about your um, 16 experience as well. And now, you know, anytime you're trying to make the U.S. Olympic team, you're up against the best in the world. You you know that if you make the team, then you're probably a a pretty good medal chance as well. You know, so you're up against some some incredible athletes. And I know that David had told me that you had kind of an interesting story between prelims, semis and finals. Talk us through that experience of making the team.
1: Yeah, I mean... My mom has always said, like, one race does not define your meat. She's been telling me that since I was like 10. Um, that comes like a little more stressful when you're like at the Olympic trials, like, because one race does define your meat. <laughs> um, so um, I swim like my prelims and my 100 back, and I go like a 008, which is like well over like almost a second, 1.3 seconds, like off my best time.
0: Wow, and, you went a 008 in prelims.
1: Yeah, which is pretty slow.
0: That yeah, it's pretty slow, you're yeah. right.
1: Yeah, I was not doing hot. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I felt, like, so ready. I'd been training great. My taper was great. My stinger was great. And I just overswam it. Like, I literally was just, like, too excited. My tempo was too hard. I wasn't relaxed. I was stressed. And I was, like, eighth place going into – Oh,
0: wow. Oh, you got lucky then because you made eighth place.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, my gosh. And um, David, like, came to my hotel that day and was like, come down to the lobby. We're going to look at your races. We're going to look at all of this. And you just need to, like, calm down and relax. Like, and I'm so fortunate to have a coach who can see that and isn't just, like – Uh, you need to fix this he was like you just need to like relax have fun we went through my races we looked at old races my world's 2017 where I went like a 59.6 or something and he was like do you see how relaxed your first tempo is like you have so much easy speed because you're so excited to swim all the time like you don't have to try the first 25, like, you don't, he was like, even the first 35 meters, you don't have to try, like, and we've been, like, working on this for this past, like, summer, too, like, I knew this is not new, I just am, like, having a hard time translating into meets, especially with the most pressure you're ever going to feel at a swim meet, which is Olympic trials, but this was only prelims, Um, and so he just really, like, went over all of that with me, and then he spent the entire warm-up with me, and he did like, every piece of my warm-up with me, which, um, if you know David, he's not going to, like, stand over you the whole time at a swim meet, um, but for that meet, he did my entire warm-up, like, which I usually do all my own, minus a pace 50 or some cords, and was working on my technique, and um, luckily, I have so much confidence in him that, like, stuff like that isn't freaking me out, like, the fact that he's, like, you need to do this differently, you need to do this differently, you need to hold water like this, I'm not, like, losing my mind, and like, okay, this is what I need to do because he knows me and I like believe in everything he says. And I think that's important to have in your coaching swimming relationship is this like huge belief. So you're not ever questioning things because I needed that then. Um, I -hmm. needed to tell me what I needed to do. Um, And he also told me I need to, like, have fun, um, which is easy to forget when you're competing at the highest level of um, athletics. He was like, I don't care, like, if you're not having fun or you're scared or you can't do it. You need to, like, walk out with a smile on your face because eventually your body's going to think that you're having fun if you just keep smiling. He's like, I don't want you to walk out looking scared. Walk out with confidence. Um, and I did. And I went a 59-3 and then was seated second that night right behind Olivia. And heading into finals, I was like, oh, my God, I have done it. My mom is like hugging David because she knows like David just like put me back together, fix my stroke and everything. Um, and that just like sort of gave me the confidence to go into the next day. And then knowing that we have, like, two big swims that night, Katie Miley and I both had our finals to make the Olympic team. He took our whole team elite group, the day I'm supposed to make the Olympic team in the morning, to a country club in Omaha, Nebraska. And we, like, played past the watermelon underwater and just sort of, like, floated around. And the reason why he did that was because, like, you don't need to be so wrapped up in your emotions 24-7 at swim meet. And if you know Olympic trials, walking into the warm-up pool is just, like, a flood of emotions because everyone there is either having the time of their life or, like, the worst experience of their life. Um, And just knowing that, like, we all needed to just, like, take a step back, have some fun really helped going into finals, and I just tried to translate everything that he had said the night before for my semifinal um, to make the Olympic team, and he said, like, the second I, like, flipped at the 50, he knew I was going to make it um, because I had done it. I went out fast. I was at a slower tempo than I usually should be at um, in a good way. I was holding a lot of water, um, and just, like, being able to touch the wall and see, I, like, made the Olympics, like, one of the best moments of my entire life, and seemed so surreal to me, and um so fortunate that I got to experience that with like my Cal teammates there as well. Um, and just having my club teammates and my best friends um, in the sport of swimming all there at the same time is awesome and couldn't be more grateful to have a coach who just like believes in me even when I have a terrible swim and can help me put everything back together.
0: Wow. I got chills just uh, imagining you touching the wall and making the Olympic team. That's always an incredible moment for me. Anyone, Anytime you make it for the first time. What, mm-hmm. uh, did you finish first or second in, in the trials?
1: Second. And I literally like, could care less. I was like, I made the Olympic team. That is all that matters. It was like a flood of relief and joy and everything. Um, what was
0: your time in the final?
1: I think 59-2. 59-2.
0: And, and who ended up winning it?
1: Olivia and she was like maybe fifty nine oh or something or fifty nine one. So everything was like so close together. Okay. I think the first four people were like within a half a second of each other, which is terrifying. And I try not to like relive that because I'm like, Oh my god, if I would have done one thing wrong, I wouldn't have made the Olympic team.
0: So in the space of about thirty hours you went from a minute point eight to fifty nine two going from eighth to, to second and make your first Olympic team. That's incredible. I mean, there's that, that so so much to learn there, you know, in terms of just, you know, the power of belief between a coach and an athlete, that's incredible. And what David did is fantastic, calming you down. But just knowing that, hey, like, take a deep breath. Like, it's, you've done the work. You know, you can always go back to that, like, I've done the work. Yeah. And, I, and, and I think sometimes it's hard to recognize what pressure is and what what kind of manifestation it's having in your body and what it's doing what kind of reactions it's having because pressure and and tension and anxiety can have enormous effects on your body and and you don't even realize it at the time you just think oh i'm good and then like you you leave the meat and you're like oh my god so uh that's
1: like i don't even like feel pressure as much anymore i try to use it as a positive way but then i like sometimes touch the wall and i'm like I'm exhausted just from like the emotional stress I put on myself mm-hmm. um, to do well, and which is awesome because it helps me. But at the same time, like it's so hard to constantly perform at the highest level all the time when everyone's watching.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's insane. Now I-, I went down to Australia uh, about three years ago and they were, f- they were so curious about what the Americans do between the trials and the Olympics, because you guys have a, had a greater percentage of, improvement rate than than any other country generally you go from the trials and at least 50 percent of you swim faster at the olympic games and it's only within three or four weeks generally somewhere around there so tell me just you know what were some of the things that you did from the moment you made the team to the moment you swam at the olympics
1: Yeah, I mean, one, trials is an eight-day meet. I made the team on day three, and I was pretty much like, that's all. Like, I wasn't even going to swim the 200 back. Like, I I made the team, and that was, like, going to be what it was. I already started training two days later. I was doing, like, eight 250s long course. Like, I was back Mm. in the water. Yes, I celebrated um, and, like, got to be in part of that excitement and enjoy that with my family. But I just made the Olympic team, and I want to do well at the Olympics. And so you need to just, like, hop back into it. And because we're so used to doing like worlds and things like that with quick turnarounds and qualifications, um, I'm pretty confident in like the build-up. Like you build your training up, but I don't build it up all the way to what it was before I started my first taper. So you go
0: to what, maybe like 75%, 80% of what you're doing?
1: 80% I would say. um, Mm -hmm. Occasionally we'll have like one really hard like 100 percent practice in there and that just like you have to like sort of just do that so that you can feel like the burn and make sure you're still good there um and then just like for me i think the olympics is like a special experience because the olympics is so much less stressful for americans than olympic trials is Mm. i think that we all are just like so happy to be there that the pressure from olympic trials to the olympics is just different um, at the same time, the pressures increase because if you don't medal as an American, you like are one of like five people in the
0: Olympics
1: <laughs> you don't medal, which is like a pretty, That'd be me. Statistic. <laughs> um, um, but I think like just going straight into training camp and being in an isolated environment um, as well as just like, for me, I just did a month more of my strength training. So I just got stronger. Um, and got some good training in and Mm. and have like so many of our coaches have done this for like multiple olympics like if you look at the staff like most people it's not their first olympic Games. so everyone's pretty confident in the way that they train their athletes or their group Um, so like building it back up and tapering back down and um, still making sure you're having fun then and enjoying that you've just made the olympic team and not just like grind 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 like Mm. I remember like having days where we just like played games or did something fun like that or social kicked for an extra 400 and warm up um it was sort of just like takes the pressure off and remember like how much fun it is and you've just accomplished like the biggest thing you can in your sport well
0: how long was your taper for trials as opposed to how long your taper was for the games after you made the team
1: my taper was probably about like I say training changes like five weeks out of Olympic trials. Okay. I wouldn't say it's taper, but it's just a lot more quality work. I'm probably doing like a little less yardage, but I'm doing a lot more like fast stuff and fine tuning. Mm-hmm. That's like my real taper starts like two to maybe two and a half weeks before Olympic trials. And I taper down to pretty much like nothing, like a thousand meters or something.
0: How far um, out like two or three days?
1: Yeah, two or three days. I'm like, just like pretty much going in for a float. Mm. Um, And sort of pretty much the same thing for the Olympic Games, like we build it back up and maybe instead of two weeks, it's going to be 10 days. Um, But for I was like preparing for Olympic Games, knowing I was going to swim day two and three and day eight, Mm. uh, because that's where the uh, medley relay is that I was um, going to have to like train a little bit closer um, to the games just to make sure that I still was ready to go six days after I competed my first hundred back. Wow. Uh, now I've like fast forward and done eight day meets where I've swam almost every single day um, of the meet and I've just realized that if you swim every day of the meet it's better than if you had swim day two and three and then eight I'd rather swim day two through eight um, yeah. keeps you in the meet um, and you can just keep that racing and that cycle going.
0: Well, listen, you're a prime example of, of an American that gets second at the trials and then ends up getting silver at the Olympic Games. Uh, pretty incredible. Um, what, what was, how did how'd that happen? How did you, how'd you pull that off?
1: I like That's like one of those times that like I rarely shock my coach, and that was definitely a shock for him. Like I was seen like 14th in the 100 back, and my mm. only goal was to make the finals and be on the medley relay. That was it. That was like the goals. We had discussed them. Like that was the plan. Um, and then I swam my prelims and I went to 588, which is uh, half a second faster than I just went at trials. went mm. a best time at trials, one a best time in prelims at the Olympic games.
2: Wow.
1: Um, and I was seated first and thank mm. God David didn't tell me this, but he was like, God, I was just hoping she could do it again. I didn't know if this was going to be like a one-time thing <laughs> and she wasn't going to be able to do it in finals or whatever, or, pre- or semis. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, I was just like a little bit less pressure. Um, because I was like I've literally already accomplished my biggest dream like I'm just here to perform I can do whatever I can to get in top eight and then I was just like having a great time like I literally was having the time of my
0: life you didn't overthink it at that stage like oh oh, shit I'm number one in the world now like pressure on
1: there a little bit later I was like (laughs) I was just like I'm gonna make it like I'm gonna be top 16 like don't worry about it um, and then like semis comes around, and I took the wrong bus to the Olympic Games, so I got there like three hours before my like oh. swim, which was like a really long time to sit around mm. um, and just like not do anything because I only start my warm up like an hour and twenty minutes before I swim. Um, so I was just like David was sending over like the weight stack to talk to me and this person to talk to me, so that I would like stay out of my head and mm. um, just like be able to like stay just chill and calm. Cause I don't want to waste my energy before I get to the important time. And um, swam that night swimming with the exact same time as I did in the morning and was still seated first. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh my gosh, wow. I'm like really doing great here. I was yeah. like, I can't believe I've done it again. I'm going 58s, which like at the time, like not that many girls in the world were going mm.
2: So
1: I was like pretty excited about it. I knew, um, Katinka had the 200 IM and 100 back double, which um, for her semifinal swim meant that she was, like, not really trying in her 100 back the same way. So I knew she was going to be a different contender in the final when she just had the 100 back. And then just, like, fast forward to, like, the next day, I just remember being, like, I don't care what medal I get. I don't care. I just want to touch the wall. First, second, third, I'm going to be ecstatic. Like, I do not care. And I just remember being in the ready room, being so nervous because I walk out last. First place walks out last. And so I'm like mm-hmm. the last person there. Every camera's on me in the ready room. Cameras are following me out. Like, they're all up in my space. And I well, just- hang on.
0: Before you get out of the ready room, was there anything going on in the ready room? Was there any antics going on? Any, you know, what what happens in the in the ready room at the Olympic Games?
1: Yeah, I think that it changes as you go through. I would say like the relay ready room is so fun on the last day. Yeah, day yeah, everyone's yeah. having a great time.
0: That's a time. party, yeah.
1: Yeah, but then they, are like, it's pretty serious. I, like, love to maybe, like, chat a little bit in the ready room because we're in there for, like, 20 minutes. Like, no one has to, like, stare at the wall for 20 minutes with their goggles on. So, I always am, like, trying to chat with, like, the Canadians or Australians or people like that. um, Yeah,
0: Katinka's pretty intimidating, right? She's she's pretty, you know, like, when I look at her, I'm like, damn.
1: She was, like, stand, stand by herself, didn't speak to anyone, probably didn't even acknowledge that I existed at that point. Um, but, like, now we're friends and talking ready rooms and just seeing her growth as an individual. But um, also knowing, like, who's in the ready room with you, like, I meant by this time or by now in my life I know how people are like I know who's gonna like want to talk for the first phase one of Ready Room and who's not and also knowing your USA partner like if they're a person who like wants to like listen to music don't like try to talk to them they want their music and they want to be in their zone and knowing that about like your teammates is important too um, and definitely like the last like 10 minutes or so that we're in there I feel like it's like pretty much dead silence like this mm. is just, like messing with their goggles or drinking water Um, things like that let me
0: ask you this were you at the time thinking everyone in the room has to beat me or i have to beat everyone in the room
1: everyone has to beat me always there you go that's like how i have to look at it like i walk into any pool and think that i can win any event Mm. it doesn't matter if i like physically can't i'm gonna tell myself i can like i it doesn't matter if i'm swimming like 100 breast 100 free i'm like i'm gonna win this or i'm gonna do it or like I always tell myself like in the water, like I'm holding the bars and I'm like, I've done everything I can and I'm capable of winning this event right before I dive in. And I tell myself like huge positive affirmations, like Mm. as I'm getting into the water to race. So like Mm. the last thing I'm thinking is like, I'm awesome. I've done everything. Like I can do this. Um, And I think that that's like a really great mindset. And I always tell that to kids um, is like making sure that you're telling yourself that you can do it before you swim, not just like weeks before you of but like i literally am in the block staring at my gold painted toenails which i paint gold because i want to think about winning first mm. um that i can do this and that i can win the event and oh, obviously fantastic. i've been ecstatic not winning the event but you just got to tell yourself that stuff
0: that's incredible i love it love it love it love it now at at any point in the race did you know where you were did you know what position you were in or were you just fighting for the wall
1: I, like, am known for going out pretty fast, so, like, I, like, know I'm going to flip first at the 50, and I think that, like, the people next to me, like, I was pretty far ahead of at the 50, um, and then I can like, see them coming on me as I'm, like, trying to get to the wall. I'm, like, where is the wall? Um, and, like, I try to not watch that race because, I touched the wall and I got second and I was like so thrilled with that. But like the people who got third, which they tied for third behind me, were one one hundredth behind me. So I was like one hundredths away from not even winning a medal. And so I just like try not to even like view the end of that race because it just stresses me because like I had no idea. Like I didn't even know that they were that close to me until like someone told me when I was in the medal ceremony. Um, like I just had like touched the wall so I got second thrilled and like moved on like I had no idea that people were so close to me Um, but I was just so excited for it like people always ask me like oh are you um, like sad that you didn't win a gold medal and I was like I didn't even think I was gonna win a medal at the Olympics Um, so obviously I was like thrilled I went a best time in the final of an Olympic Games and won a silver medal like I couldn't have asked for more
0: yeah now was there ever any talk of you not swimming the final of the medley relay did you have to earn your spot what was that was it back and forward or what was the talks like on that
1: yeah i think that it's like an unspoken rule on rule on usa swimming like whoever wins in the strokes like in 100 free 100 fly 100 breast 100 free whoever wins whoever is like the top place persons on that medley relay mm-hmm. no matter if they qualified first or second so mm-hmm. it really comes down to like who's touching the wall first um, at the games, essentially, or at Worlds. Occasionally there's exceptions, like if someone just, like, messed up or things like that. But it's pretty much always that case, Um, which is crazy because, like, our second – like, if we used our B team, they'd probably still win the Olympic gold medal in the medley relay because it's so competitive. Um, So I knew that by me winning a silver medal, and I happened to beat Olivia, I think she got six, that I was going to be on that final relay and she was going to be on the prelims. Um, And I'm thankful that, like, in USA Swimming, I feel like there's not a huge, like, oh, maybe this, maybe that. Like, it's pretty much, like, who's doing better is going to be on the, like, uh, relay. um, Sometimes it's not even who's doing better, because I think Olivia and I both went best times. But it's just, like, who got there first? And um, that's just, like, how it is for medley. Definitely different on freestyle relays. There's a little bit more of, like, who's better in this position than this position. Um, Luckily, medley relays are pretty cut and dry. (laughs)
0: Now, you guys end up um, – did you break the world record in that medley relay?
1: That year the next year we broke The
0: next it. year, okay. But you ended up winning the gold medal, which must have been a pretty cool experience.
1: Yeah, it was, like, unbelievable. It was – like, being able to hear your national anthem on the podium is, like, I can't even, like, comprehend what that feels like. and um, being. Able did you to- at at
0: any point think you were going to lose it at, at any point?
1: No. I. We, like, knew we were going to win that race. Yeah. It was, yeah. like – something that you like thought about like I went to the Olympics and I was like I'm pretty positive I'm gonna come home with an Olympic medal probably gold because I'll be on either prelims or finals relay of that medal of that relay and I was Mm -hmm. like that's awesome but for us we actually like we're sort of going for the world record um in that event at the Olympic Games um but I think all of us were off our times by like a little bit which is to be expected at day eight of the Olympic games. Mm. Um, It's pretty tough to be like perfect on all of those, especially people who are swimming there a bit like Simone who swims hundred free, like a million times during the week (laughs) on every relay is crazy. Um, but we wanted to win because we were like, we want the thousandth gold medal, which was what it was going to be. And oh, wow. that, uh, the relay after us was going to be like Michael Phelps, like his last relay race. And we're like, just give us something. Like we want the thousandth gold medal. Like we want to hear like, um, all the publicity that comes with that, that, and it was pretty awesome.
0: Wow. That's awesome. And then, you know, since two 2000, two 2016, you've had, I'm looking at it right now, just up on my screen. I mean, you've had an incredible run at World Champs, at Short Course Worlds, Pan Pacific, winning, winning golds and silvers and bronzes, you know, just medal after medal for uh, all those years in a row. So you had a pretty good run there, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, everything, I had like never even medaled at Worlds by the time I medaled at the Olympics, so I really wanted 2017 to be like an awesome year for me and being able to win three medals and swim pretty much every day of the meet, I wanted to see if I could handle um swimming 11 times at a world championships because I wanted to add more events to my schedule which was adding the tuner back which I didn't even go to trials and I didn't even swim at trials and then mm. 2018 was sort of like a bigger breakout year for me um in terms of my 100 back and my tuner at IM um and then 2019 was probably like my worst year of swimming I like had a pretty big injuries and illness which was like pretty tough for me but I was pretty disappointed with that here, but then I look back and I'm like, I got six at world championships and I had a broken rib two months before that. So um, most people probably wouldn't even have gone to world championships and I'd been in the water for like six to eight weeks uh, training fully.
0: Wow. That's incredible. You said something there that caught my eye. You said you didn't swim the trials uh, of the 200 back uh, 2017 for worlds, but you ended up for worlds. What's
1: that? I I didn't swim the uh, 200 back.
0: Oh, okay, right, right, okay. But you end up winning the the turn. You end up winning the bronze medal at, at the worlds in in 2017. That's that's pretty cool for someone that wasn't really competing in that event.
1: Yeah, I just like sort of transitioned from training like some hundred pace stuff to predominantly middle distance, and that's mm-hmm. what I do now. I pretty much train all middle distance, um, with an occasional little sprint um, here and there if I want to do some hundred pace or something fast. And in 2018, I was like, David, like, do you think I should do like some hundred back pace or something? He's like, no, it'll come when you taper. Like, it's fine. And I was like, are you sure? And then I was like, just do a mid D the whole summer. And then I broke the world record in the hundred back. Um, and so that's just like trusting your coaches because they definitely wow. have talking about. Um, and I like really, never really ask anything, but I was like, wow, oh, I really haven't done like very much sprint work this year at all. Um, and I, it worked out really right for me. And I now train, like, almost every single day, middle distance, more yards than I pretty much ever have this past, like, 2019, 2020 year, um, which has been awesome for me. And I feel like my endurance is the best it's ever been, which is a little bit devastating because we didn't have an Olympic Games or Olympic trials. Um, but I'm looking forward to just redoing that again next year.
0: Now, listen, I know you pretty well. And and I had this conversation with Ariana that, that I released on um, – on my podcast today, actually, and uh, she was talking about dry land and, and the importance of dry land and, and just embracing. it I know that you're you're very similar. You love dry land. You love gaining strength and, and doing different things. What are some of the things you do out of the water that you've incorporated into training that you that you really embrace?
1: Um, I love weightlifting, and I love not just like the weightlifting part. I love like what a you call like a metcon or metabolic conditioning. So that's just like like breaks me off like five to 10 minutes of just like as quick as I can go through something like 30 dumbbell unders into 12 dumbbell thrusters into maybe some air squats and something else and you just like run through it and I love things like that because it pushes me and keeps my heart rate up and then of course I love the Olympic lifting side of things and pull-ups and push-ups and I love what she had to say because so many women are like afraid of being strong because that's like not what typically women look like is a strong body, but I am like so about like being able to embrace your femininity in the sport while also being able to be super strong, kick everyone's butts in the pool and like be able to be all of that Um, And that's, like, something I love. Like, you can be, like, an awesome woman who, like, loves clothes and, like, girly stuff. But then you can, like, get to the pool and be, like, I don't care if you're a boy or whatever. I'm going to try to go in front of you and practice. And um, being able to know that, like, my strength makes me beautiful and also my strength makes me the athlete that I am um, is something that, like, I've always been proud of. Like, I love my abs. Like, most girls don't have abs. I love that about myself. Um and just making sure you're like being able to surround yourself with people who also compliment that is amazing. And for me, like having significant others like my boyfriend is like I love when girls are athletic and like loves that about me. Um and I think that's important.
0: Awesome. Love that message. I'm gonna cut that up and put it out for everybody to hear that. That's a cool one. Um listen, I'd be I'd be silly not to mention this because look, you're you're a competitive person and and everybody knows. Um you know, who the world record holder is these days and, and she, you know, Reagan Smith kind of came on um, at a young age and she's doing some incredible things. What, what's it, what's it like as a competitor for you to, to see that happen and, and um, what kind of motivation does that give for you?
1: I think it's been awesome. Like, I mean, I've known Reagan since we she was 15 and it's been cool to see her come up and uh, records are always meant to be broken. And I think that that was like awesome for me to see her do something so incredible, especially in her tuner back, like being able to be in that race where she goes to two Oh, like three or whatever. And mm. like, Blows everyone's mind. Like, that's an unreal, like, swimming memory. And I got to, like, be in the race. I wasn't having a good race, but it was cool to see, like, her do so amazing. And then it also pushes me to get better and be better. I definitely think it is so um, hard to stay on top. It's so much easier to climb to it. And it's nice to have, like, a back and forth switch of being on top and climbing back to top um, because it makes me feel more motivated every day. um, And it's something to chase after. And I love a good competition. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And, and I, I agree. Like, um, is, is it like, let's be honest. Does it, does it, does it get under your skin that, that someone is swimming that fast? Like it would get, it gets under my skin. When I see my competitors swim fast, I'm like, dang, like I, it like, it, it lifts you. It drives you. It motivates you. It pushes you. Like, is that the way you, you go about it as well?
1: Yeah. I feel like it pushes me and drives me. And then the time it frustrates me is when I feel like I don't have an opportunity to like prove myself like, if I'm, like, not having a good meet, or if I'm not doing my best, or I don't have a meet coming up, like, I can't prove that I'm right there with someone, or that I'm also fast, Um, and I think that that happens to, like, a lot of swimmers, is, like, you don't get the chance to, like, show what you're capable of, and we're in, like, this weird time of, like, no competition,
2: Mm. Um,
1: and I've had, like, a really great early 2020, um, and was able to, like, prove that I'm, like, exactly back where I, like, need to be um, after having a hard 2019, and so, for me, it's just like motivating and nice to like have someone in your race who you want to chase after but at the same time like Reagan and I have a great relationship like having someone who you like enjoy being around as competition is also nice like being able to like want that person to succeed while you're also succeeding is like a growth as a competitor. Um, and like making sure that like you have that. And I feel like we both have that with each other and cheer for each other. And hopefully I've been a good role model for her. And, um, as she's like grown up through USA swimming.
0: Yeah, that's a good message. Look, honestly, the stronger she gets, the stronger you get and, and vice versa. Hopefully you can, you can encourage each other and support each other while at the same time wanting to beat each other. That's, that's competition. So that's a good thing. So um, tell me, how have you looked at this period of time that we're stuck in now? How have you looked at this as a positive? How have you made gains during this period?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm really, like, stopped. Like, I've done, like, everything I can to be in the pool, like, four times a week pretty much since March, like... I've gotten like my boyfriend to take me on a military base. We've been on the Navy SEAL base. We're swimming in a backyard pool. Like during all of that, and I was taking like every opportunity I could to get better in the water, whether that be in an endless pool or things like that. I definitely feel like I didn't get the aerobic training that I'm used to because of like time constraints and pool spaces, but I was able to improve massively technically. I have made like huge technical changes in my breaststroke and um, as well as just, working on different things in backstroke where you, I've been able to like take a step back and not worried about like how tired I am in practice and not being able to maintain that technique because I'm so tired. I've been able to like practice good technique because I'm not grinding myself into the ground. Um, especially during like March through May, we've pretty much picked back up into normal swimming June and July and now August um and for me like just having a positive attitude through this entire like unknown um time and having a schedule and making gains like each week like I'm not going to be able to maybe like go best times in my practices that I'm used to especially at like in May or April but like now in June and July and August I'm able to like see because I didn't take huge chunks off in the spring that like I'm able to be back where I want to be already in August rather than still fighting to get back in shape. Um, And I think a lot of that comes from that I had a year of 2019 where it took me like 10 months to pretty much feel like myself again and I'm like I don't want to do that again so I'm going to do everything I can in and out of the water to make sure that I'm keeping my strokes together my strength together and um just keeping my like head in the sport even though we don't have a specific meet that we're training for I'm still training for the Olympic Games which is a meet in a year and that's what I just remind myself every day when I'm thinking like oh I don't have a meet in September to look forward to well I still have the Olympic Games to train for
0: yeah well listen i'll say this i'm not going to give too much away i'm not going to tell people the time but i just randomly walked into a practice the other day luckily enough and and you were putting on a suit and racing and and you swam a time in a 200 backstroke that that would win any ncaa championship um and this is just on a friday afternoon in practice so um i know the work that you're doing i see i see how hard you work and um if if anybody is at home listening to this and they're not putting in the work then they're going to get beat up by you because you're doing some incredible stuff. I was, I was blown away just watching you swim and, um, just love your mental approach to, to training and racing. I think you're incredible and, uh, there's no, no doubt, um, you know, why you're a champion. So, uh, it's, it's fun to watch. So thanks for doing this it has been really fun. I, I've got a lot out of it. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right. Thanks Kathleen. I'll see you soon. See ya. Bye.